Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com, and we got another banger of a show lined up for you guys today. First, I'm talking to the newest addition to the UFC Women's Bantamweight Division. That's right, the newest addition to the Bantamweight Division is Sajara Eubanks. That's right, moving up from 25 to 35. She's talking to us all about how she's feeling and when we could see her booked. And speaking of bookings, I'm talking to notorious Nick Newell about when we might see him back in the cage again. Could be a little while, but we're going to talk to him about that as well as some of his coaching duties on an upcoming Bellator card. So tune in for all of that. But before you do, let's make sure to mention that this episode is brought to you by ADK Fightwear. If you do jiu-jitsu or if you do MMA, you probably know that it's hard to get high-quality gear at a low price. So head on over to ADKFightwear.com and check out what they got because I think they got what you're looking for. ADK Fightwear has got some high-quality geese, rash guards, spats, and all kinds of other equipment that will stand the test of time so that you don't have to keep replacing your jiu-jitsu gear. I recently picked up their two-sweet rash guard. It's an NWO-inspired rash guard for jiu-jitsu. And let me tell you, I've worn this thing a bunch of times. It holds up. Not only that, as you can tell, it's made from high-quality material. You can wash it a 100 times, and it stands the test of time. Looks great, feels great, performs great. So check them out at adkfightwear.com. And when you do, make sure you use promo code TURTLE. That's T-U-R-T-L-E. All lowercase, and you're going to bag 20% off your whole order there. So get a rash guard, get a t-shirt, get a gi. Make sure that you save as much money as you possibly can. ADKFightwear.com. ADK Fightwear brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. Gumby Freeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to Sajara Eubanks, the current number two contender in the UFC flyweight division. So Sajara, I wanted to talk a little bit about your last fight, because obviously it was a big win against Roxanne Latifari, but it looked like you were going to be fighting for the title, headlining a pay-per-view in New York City. What, what was sort of that roller coaster of booking like for you mentally? Man, well, at the time, it was obviously, like, a lot of up and down, a lot of back and forth. Um, it was it was super exciting to be fighting for a title fight, especially headlining, especially at MSG, fighting Valentina Tevchenko. So I was super, super pumped. And then to have the whole thing scratched was obviously a, a bummer. I was really down in the dumps about that. But to still be able to fight on that same card against a tough opponent in Roxanne and be able to, to add some experience to my game and, and be able to come out with a W. Everything happens for a reason. And so at the end of the day, I got a fight, I got a W, and I got paid for it. That's what we're here to do. So, um, yeah, it was a lot of up and down, but it is what it is. I was able to overcome and still come out with a W that night at MSG. So I got to fight in the world's greatest state. So I had a good time. Yeah, and, and, and was that at all play into the fact that you took a fight against somebody who a lot of people saw as a no-win situation. I mean, you already had the win over on the, the uh, Ultimate Fighter. You know, it, it seemed like sort of a tough situation for you. Is that sort of the reason you took it, so that you could fight an MSG? Um, I took it because of, as a fighter, we fight. You know, like, I want to add some experience to my game. I want to be able to get more, more time in. Um, I want to get more cage minutes in. I want to get more experience going back and forth. So, to me, it wasn't a lose-lose, and, and a lot of people, I think, at the time were maybe kind of sleeping on Roxanne. Like, one of the biggest things we talked about in that fight 
was me and my coaching staff and, and Mark Henry and Jamal Patterson was like, don't get complacent because one of the biggest things you have to worry about with a rematch is revenge. I beat Roxanne before. I'm pretty sure she wants to come back and prove that, hey, I, we, we were concerned. Like, she's going to put her best foot forward. It's a good opportunity for her to try to prove, like, hey, I can fight hard again. I can do better the second time around. So I took the Roxanne fight as seriously as I could. And we came out with a W. So I didn't think it was a lose-lose. I, I, I thought it was a win-win. I'm still on MSG. I still get paid. I got to renegotiate my contract. And I got to fight someone whose style I was familiar with in front of all my friends and family. So I, I thought it was pretty good. It wasn't a title fight. But, hey, you know, all, all, all other things considered, it was a, 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 a good situation. Yeah, well, I certainly love that positive attitude. So let's talk about your future because I'm sure there's some positive things here too. Is Back in December was pretty much the last time we had heard anything about it, but back then you were talking about most likely moving up to 135 pounds. Is that definitely the plan for you next? Um, I think so. I think the most immediate move, the best immediate move for me in my career is to go, is to go back to 135 for a little bit. Um, I, I don't think I was really – you know, the the whole weight thing has been sort of the <laughs> – what everyone talks about with my career. And I, I kind of want to – I, I want to focus on my martial arts. I want to focus on being the best fighter I can be. I want to focus on um, bettering my skill sets in all areas of the game. And I think 135 is going to give me a chance to focus on my fighting skill set. Uh, I'm just so muscular for 125. It's hard to make the cut. And, and between fights, I spend the entire time as like – like eating like a rabbit and running like a marathoner. So I don't want to be able to spend more time um, working on the other skill sets, working on my wrestling, working on my boxing and my striking, and developing a bit more of an athletic build. Um, I'm already muscular, but I think I can shed some body fat and, and sort of reframe my body. And, and, you know, 125, I think, is definitely something for me in the future. I think for the immediate steps of my career, I think 135 is the best place to go. That makes a lot of sense, and, and you know we've seen a lot of fighters recently have a lot of success moving up weight classes. You know, Michael Chiesa just last time out looked really sharp, uh, having moved up a weight class. Uh, it does seeing so many people have success moving up encourage you to do it more, or was it more of a personal decision when looking at yourself? Um, it was definitely a personal decision. I wanted to make it based on what I felt was best for me in my career, um, but definitely like now that I have moved up. I do see guys moving up all the time. Like Chiesa was a good example. Um, you see some guys kind of bounce back and forth, but there have been a lot of guys and girls who've been like, you know, the weight cut. Everyone wants to be the biggest person in their division, but that's not always what it's about. Maybe it's, you know, being the best fighter. <laughs> and, and, okay, so the, the height, the, you know, when I give up in a height advantage, I can make up in other places. So I, I have seen, it's almost like when you buy a car, you see everyone else doing it. Like, after I was like, man, I'm going up. I see fighters all the time who's like, man, I've gone up and I've had a ton of success. So it's definitely made me feel better. Like, okay, yeah, I think I think so far, I haven't fought at 135 yet, but so far in my training, I definitely feel comfortable and I'm glad to know you know, I'm, in, I'm more comfortable in this division, and I can't wait to join the rest of those fighters that have gone up and found success. Yeah, and so so let's talk about you moving up to that division, too. So, uh, obviously, you're ranked number two, or still are ranked number two at Flyweight at the present moment. Moving up a division, you know, it, it's kind of hard to gauge where you would fit into a division like that. Where do you see yourself fitting into a 135-pound division? Um, yeah, man, that's tough. Like, where am I going to fit 135? I'm not sure. Uh, I think a lot of that is going to depend on what Nick and Dana and the rest of the guys at BFC kind of feel. 
Um, I feel like I've showed enough as an overall fighter and enough in my martial arts skill set that I, I should be ranked at 135 coming in. And I want a fight coming into 35 that's going to keep me in the heat of the division. My goal has always been my, my goal has always been to be a UFC champion. So if if that's what it takes, you know, wherever I got to start to 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 get towards that belt, that's where I'm going to be. So I, I kind of thought about it a lot. Like, hmm, where am I going to land at 35 out the gate? Like, you know, am I going to be ranked? Am I going to be unranked? Am I going to be top 10? Am I going to be two? I don't know. Like, you, you know, I, I don't know. And so I kind of, you know, I try not to think about that aspect of it too much. I just want good fights and I want tough fights. And I just want to get better and, and keep striving towards that belt. And, and is there anybody in the division, you know, being that you're not quite sure where you want to fall, is there anybody who gives you that tough fight that you feel like you can, you know, better your skill set against that you're looking at fighting soon? Um, you know, I've looked at the division a bunch. Um, I think there's a lot of gaps sort of in the top 15 over at 135. Um, you know, last time we looked at the rankings, like, like, um, like Sarah McMahon's up there, but she's out on maternity leave. I, I think the Venezuela victim was on there and she's out on maternity leave. And, um, Kat Zingano's ranked top 15, but she just fought at 145. So there's a lot of gaps. So I think there's definitely, you know, some room for me to make some noise at 135 real soon. As far as specific names, I'm not too sure. I know Jessie Jess, um, she's coming up. I think she stated her intentions to come up to 35 as well. Um, Aston Ladd is someone I fought back in Invicta. I think a rematch with Aston Ladd down the line is something that I would be really interested in. Um, obviously, you got the champ. you got Amanda Nunes. She, she, just, she just knocked out Chris Cyborg, so who knows what's going on there. Um, Holly Holm is booked. I, I think against Aston Ladd. So I, I'm abreast of the division. I'm not really picky right now. I think um, Caitlin Vieira is, is, I think, top two or three. She's undefeated. So I think anybody. <laughs> like, yeah, I just want to fight, and I want to fight soon. And I think anybody in that top 10, 15 over at the 35, I think a W and a strong finish in, in any one of those names I just named puts me right at the top of the division. Well, and you sort of answered my last class question for me here, too, because you said you're hoping to get in there as quickly as possible. How, how close are we to seeing you booked in the 135-pound division? How, how quickly do you want to get in there? I want to get in there as soon as possible. You can ask uh, my manager, Ali, and Nick. I've been texting them. I took some time off of um, after the Roxanne fight, but after the holidays, man, I'm, I'm chomping at the bit. I'm ready to get going. I'm, I'm really excited to see how I'm going to feel. Um, being able to fight without having to deplete my body so much. Um, I'm really excited to see, you know, what, you know, what the, the vision's going to feel like. Are the girls going to feel any different? So I, I'm chopping at the bit. I can't wait to, I, I can't wait to get back out there. Um, Mick texted me like literally an hour ago and he put soon, explanation point. So, <laughs> so I'm hoping soon. And plus with, you know, you know, the ESPN contract, I mean, there's fights like every freaking weekend from now to the end of April. So I got to land on one of these cards soon. Well, we're certainly looking forward to it whenever it is. Once again, this was Sajara Eubanks, currently the number two contender in the flyweight division, but soon coming to the bantamweight division. Sajara, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. It really, really had a good time. This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to highly touted lightweight, you may know him from World Series of Fighting, Dana White's Contender Series, and many, many more. We're talking to Nick Newell. So Nick, uh, you know, UFC Brooklyn, we saw Randy Brown drop out, and I know you were sort of itching and campaigning to take that spot. The fight didn't wind up going to you, but was there any indication from you, your manager, or anywhere else uh, that that fight might be close? 
Uh, no, <laughs> I just, I just wanted, I, first off, if they, if they were like, Hey, Nick, we'll, we'll take you. I, I would, I'd be in, in Brooklyn right now. You know, I live, um, within driving distance it's about hour drive, maybe hour and a half for me. So I'd be there right now and I'd be working to, you know, make, make the weight. Um, but it, it was never, I figured they wouldn't, but I, I thought that I might, uh, I might as well offer my services because I'm, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. And, and you certainly got to put the, the name out there and, and, you know, you, you don't have a fight book now for any particular company. Are, are you in talks to, to get a fight going right now? Are you looking for a fight right now? Yeah, well, um, yeah, I mean, of course I'm, I'm fielding all offers. Right now, I, I just had my my uh, my first child, so I had a, a son. He was born December seventh, so he's a little over a month old. So I've been kind of enjoying that, but I'm still training. I have a lot of fighters that um that have fights coming up. There's a big Bellator card in Connecticut, and I'm coaching like five guys that fight on the card. So um, you know, I, I I've been working with them, and I gotta keep keep working with them and keep training with them and to get them ready and it's keeping me sharp as well. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm ready, but I'm not in a, a position coming off a loss where I can, you know, be as vocal as I'd like to be. And I need to get back out there and get a win and, and show that, uh, that I am world-class and I am capable and I, I can hang, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and you mentioned those, those, there's actually two cards in Bellator there back to back in Connecticut, which is not far away from where you train. Was there any thought to get on those cards too, or was the timing not right with the birth of your, your first child? No, I, uh, I said I'm available, but, um, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of business, uh, on that side. And I don't know what kind of offer they may have wanted, or they may have not wanted. And my management team handled that. So maybe it wasn't something they liked or, I, I I don't know, um, but I 100% would have fought on that card. You know, in Connecticut, I'm I'm a big ticket seller. I think I'm a big draw wherever I go, but especially in Connecticut, just ticket selling myself. I can I can sell like 30 grand in tickets just by ones that they give to me to be like, hey Nick, you sell these, I'll get rid of every single one you give me. You know, and uh, and then on top of that, people that I don't know that will come to watch me fight. So I'm I'm. A uh, big draw in in Connecticut. I think I'm a, a pretty big draw wherever I go, but um, especially in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And and I want to talk a little bit too about those guys you have in your gym too, because coaching I know some, something you're somewhat familiar with, but it's also fairly new to you. There, there's a lot of uh, different pieces to it that sometimes surprise people. Is is there any uh, is there any aspect of coaching that you've particularly loved or found surprising? Uh, it may, it definitely makes you a better fighter and, and really you have to break down all the techniques and you have to figure out what works, um, and what doesn't work and, and read people and figure people out. So it makes me a better fighter. It makes me better at reading people and judging people and figuring out ways to win. Um, in terms of being a coach though, it is harder because, um, you don't get to train as much cause you have to teach at those times, you know? So you have to make time to make sure that all, that everything works, you know? So, uh, I mean that, that you get in the work that you need. So I get a lot of that in the morning time 
out training now. Usually my hard sessions were at night and, um, you know, before class and after class thing and, and just putting in that extra work, but it's, it's worth it. I, I really, really enjoy it. And I've made leaps and bounds, um, as a fighter, you know, from teaching other fighters as well. Absolutely. And I know you mentioned that you had like five guys fighting on those cards and you certainly don't want to hype any of them up more than the other one. But, you know, I've noticed you've got a couple of really top level prospects there. Is there anybody you'd like to sort of draw the public's attention to while you got the mic here? Um, You know, the the main one, the person that I'm training, you know, I have people that come into my gym for just for sparring or for work. But the one that's really my student is uh, Justin Sumter. He was on the Contender Series and he lost as well. He had a uh that he made a he had a good night but he made one mistake and he paid for it, you know. So we've kind of worked on some improvements with him there and he's he's really really talented guy and he gets better every day. So he's fighting another um guy that is one of the top guys in the northeast and and I think it's going to be a good showing for for Justin. It's going to be like uh another coming out party, you know, as he before he's he's shown what he's capable of and he's going to show it again well we're certainly looking forward to that now before i let you go though i do want to talk about i mean obviously we're we're coming up on a you know a, a little bit of a lull for you because you know you said you know not quite the offer out there you want or you can't quite find the fight you want how, how long are you looking uh or how long are you expecting to be looking are, are you itching to get back in there are you willing to take some of the time uh, is there a promotion particularly looking for? For those people who are looking to see Nick Newell back in the cage, what can they expect? Yeah, I mean, I ha- I have a a lot of wheels in motion right now, and um, I'm definitely looking to get back out there as soon as possible. Um, you know, whenever I can get something booked is is when I'd like to fight. And honestly, I I'd love to fight in Connecticut, but um, also LFA was a wonderful show for me to fight for. I really, really enjoyed fighting for them, and I, I'd love to um, fight for them again my next fight because everything that I experienced with them was top-notch. And, um, you know, the the publicity I got off that, the attention I got, um, the way they ran their show, their professionalism, everything was on point. So um, I think that's where I'd like to fight next is LFA. But I'm open definitely to um, to options. All right. Well, we're certainly looking forward to whenever that is, so we'll be sure to keep our eye on the LFA announcements if that were to uh, come to fruition. Once again, this was Nick Newell. You may know him from World Series of Fighting, Contender Series, and many others. Nick, we really thank you for the time. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. You know, I've been working hard, and and I really can't wait to get back in the cage and, and show the real me. And we're excited for it as well. Thanks, Nick. And those interviews with Sajara Eubanks and Nick Newell are brought to you by Sheath Underwear. Look, the underwear game has officially changed. If you're a guy who works out all the time or does any kind of physical activity for that matter, you no longer have to wear briefs that smash your goods. Okay, You also don't have to wear boxers like some sort of sociopath and have everything flopping all over the place. Instead, you can have the comfort and freedom of boxers while still having the support of briefs with sheathunderwear.com. They've got an innovative front pocket that you put your cash and prizes in that allows them to stay cool because it promotes airflow while also being supported. 
Okay, you're going to really love how these things feel, whether you do jiu-jitsu, MMA, or whether you just like to go for a run on the weekend sometimes. So check them out, sheathunderwear.com. Make sure you use promo code FLOW, that's F-L-O, and you're going to back 20% off your whole order. Sheathunderwear.com brought you those two interviews, and now, on to the show. I am Daniel gumby Freeland, joined by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, let's start by talking about Sajara Eubanks. I, I sort of like her promise here at, at 135 pounds. What do you think? Well, you know what? I always like it when someone fights at a more natural weight class. They don't do the big suck. I uh, I tend to think they actually fight better. I know people don't want to be overpowered, out-muscled, but sometimes maybe you give up a little size, you give up a little uh, muscle, but your body's healthier and you fight better. I don't know. That's where I land on it. Yeah, and I think if you look, too, at some of the people we've watched go up, I mean, like, look at how good Michael Chiesa looked up a weight class. And, and I know Cowboy Cerrone went back to 55, but, damn, Cowboy Cerrone looked pretty good at 70 for a while, too. Um, you know, Robert Whitaker is a champ at 85. Remember how shitty he looked at 70? Look at Dan Hooker. I mean, there's there's tons of success stories. And when you think about the people dropping down, I tend to think you find less of them. Like Anthony Pettis at 45 was terrible, right? Um, I mean, not terrible, but comparatively terrible. So, yeah, I'm glad she's going up to 35. I'm interested to see where she'll fit into that division and uh, looking forward to when they get that booked. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So let's move on, Gumby. Uh, We like to do here a segment on the show that we call Fastest Fight News. It's fight news delivered to your door fast, hot, fresh, in under 15 minutes or your news is free. So Gumby, we're going to lightning round this stuff. We're going to catch people up on what, you know, people live busy lives, right? They might be too busy to keep up in the world of MMA, but that's what we're here for. We're MMA nerds. So our service to you, we're going to catch up on all the day's news. Are you ready, Gumby? Absolutely. All right. Your boy, John Jones, has been granted a one-fight license in the state of Nevada to fight Anthony Smith at UFC 235. If you're not smartened up to this, as they say, he, of course, was not allowed to fight back in December when he was fighting uh, Gustafsson because they found picograms of a steroid in the fat deposits of his liver. But that's always going to be there. He's probably always going to have these picograms. Jeff Nowitzki says he is not. This is not a sign of current steroid use. What do you make of the fact that Nevada gave him the one fight license for Anthony Smith? So I'm I'm not super surprised. Um, you know, whatever you are, you know, if you're one of those, uh, you know, Twitter scientists out there, feel free to to correct me on this. But uh, wherever you stand on that, I I don't really care where you stand on the science of it. But I I actually think Nevada would have let him fight Gustafson if this test didn't show up so close to fight time. Like if there was enough time for them to have their freaking hearing because they love having their fucking hearings and televising them and shit. If they had enough time to do all of that before that fight with Gustafson, my guess is they still would have licensed him for Nevada. Um, just because, you know, like, it, you know, whatever, however you feel about the excuse, I think it is adequate for them, especially with Jeff Nowitzki um, certifying it. So I, I'm going to say I'm not terribly surprised. It's interesting that they're doing one fight as if they're, they're like, have him on thin ice because I actually don't think he's on that all all that thin of ice with the commission or with the UFC. You don't think he's on thin of ice. I don't think he's on thin ice for either of them. You know, like the commission is saying he's got a one fight deal here. Like I said, I I think the commission likes having meetings. Um, and the commission likes that people pay attention to their meetings and they televise them and, 
you know, fucking John Morgan goes on camera and comments on the meetings afterwards. Like, I think the commission enjoys that. So by saying he's got a one fight, you know, deal and then he's got to come back in front of the commission so we can talk about it again. I think that's just their way of drawing attention to the shit that they do. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of the commission, they handed out uh, fines to Habib and Connor, or I should say Habib and Connor for their role in the post-fight brawl at UFC 229 have settled. Uh, and as of taping, the figures are not disclosed on what the fines are settled for. Oh, I, I, believe they, uh, I believe they just were uh, released. I believe the, the current look is Connor has a 50K uh, fine and Habib is looking at half a million dollars. Um, at least if the, I looked just quickly at Twitter right before I came on here and those were the numbers uh, that everybody was posting. Well, if it's on Twitter, it must be true. Let's just roll with that. Uh, I also saw from the article that I was reading, and this was uh, Forbes, to cite credit where credit is due. You know, they've actually commented on a Top Turtle MMA article before, or an interview we did, I should say. Uh, so, ha- you know, shout out to Forbes. But uh, that Habib is now saying he's done fighting in Nevada because it will be a full one-year suspension. And I guess because they uh, also targeted his teammate that, you know, Habib's a loyal guy. He does not want to fight in Nevada anymore with only one or two fights left in his career, as, as he's at least saying. He said he's targeting a return to MSG now. Yeah, and I saw similar numbers on there. I will say Habib, the the current number out there, at least according to Ariel Helwani's Twitter, is that he got a nine-month suspension that can be reduced if he does an anti-bullying ad, which uh, I won't hold my breath for. But it sounds like he's going to wait out a year because that's how long his teammate was suspended. So with with that being the case, it seems like, uh, you know, he's doing, like you said, that loyal team thing. He's not going to fight in Nevada again. But regardless, even if they retroactive that suspension, that means we're not seeing Habib until next October, which what do you do with the lightweight title picture if you don't see Habib until next October? Well, I think the UFC has been handing out those interim titles like crazy. So if you want to give me Tony Ferguson versus, say, Connor, Dustin Poirier, Ally Aquinta this uh, spring, I'm about it. Yeah, I think Dustin Poirier probably makes the most sense. I, I will say from like a interim title fight, of all of the fights that we've been talking that we've wanted to see in that lightweight fight division, Tony Ferguson versus Dustin Poirier doesn't do a ton for me. I mean, it's exciting. They're, they're two of the top guys. But like we talked about a lot of fun stylistic matchups that exist in that division. That one is, is fun, but I, I wouldn't say it was even in my like top five of ones I was looking forward to. Well, I'll tell you who won't be fighting for the 155-pound UFC title, and that's Artem Lobov, Conor McGregor's <laughs> teammate and BFF. He has been released from the UFC per his own request. Where does Lobov go from here? Do you see him in Bellator? Do you see him maybe heading on over to Risen? What does an Artem Lobov do? Uh, I mean, that's all a really good question. I mean, he, you know, he mentioned a little bit that he might be interested in boxing. To be honest with you, I think when, when he asked for his release to the UFC, it was a, a big weight off the UFC's back because I'm pretty sure they've been carrying him for a while knowing that he's Connor's boy. So the fact that he's not Connor's boy anymore makes this much easier on them and they just let him go like they've wanted to for a while. I think probably the best fit for him is Cage Warriors. It's close to home. It, it makes a lot of sense promotionally. Um, I can't see Bellator paying him any amount of money that he's like comfortable with. 
you know, maybe 1FC is a good pick. You know, like 1FC seems to be throwing around money quite a bit. So I'm going to say Cage Warriors or 1FC. Those are going to be my two guesses. Okay, not bad guesses. Uh, certainly makes some geographic sense. Speaking of other promotions outside the UFC, Bellator ran a fight card this past weekend. Uh, and you know what? It was pretty newsworthy, if you ask this guy. Uh, in the main event, Ryan Bader, Bader beat Fedor. Uh, maybe the last time we see Fedor, devastating KO, of course, in about 39 seconds. Uh, where does Fedor go from here, do you think? Uh, I still think you see him fight again. Um, he, he's such a legend of the sport in, in, you know, he's one of the pound for pound greats of all time. I just can't see him walking away with a loss. Um, and it's not like he hasn't lost recently and he hasn't lost in a similar way. And, you know, like this was a tournament. So yeah, maybe he wanted to see it. I, I just see him getting back in there and picking up one more win. You know, like if Mirko Krokop, you know, win or lose against Roy Nelson in February, I, I think that would be a really great way for Fedor to go out, you know, a showdown with Krokop for old time's sake. Um, some sort of matchup like that, I think, is a good way to possibly get him back in the win column before he hangs him up. Look, it, it's Bellator. Yeah, he's fighting again. I have no <laughs> doubt about it. Uh, he, he is also just two fights, the two fights previous to the Bader knockout. Uh, you know, he beat Mir, he beat Shell Sonnen. He is certainly the best of the senior PGA tour, so to speak. So there's no reason he can't go against a Roy Nelson or a Krokop. As you said, more exciting though, when it comes to young people who are fighting on that card, Henry Corrales with a comeback KO on uh, Aaron Pico, the much hyped prospect, Aaron Pico. Is Aaron Pico still a future champ in your eyes? What does he need to do different? Uh, and, you know, well, what does Aaron Pico do from here? So I still don't think the, you know, like the ceiling has changed in any way on Aaron Pico. When you think about where you said Aaron Pico's, you know, max was at the very beginning of his career, I don't think that's changed. Look, the, the dude is 22 years old and he ain't going to be 23 until September. So he is sort of freshly 22 years old. Um, and, and, you know, he had an early loss in his career, too, against Zach Freeman as he got, you know, a little bit overzealous. The dude has only fought, like, people who are much, much more experienced than him. You know, like, Leandro Higo has way more fights than him. Shane Crutchin still has way more fights than him. Henry Corrales has a ton more fights than him. Um, I think really what he has to do is he has to, like, slow himself down and get back to learning the basics of MMA, learning what the basics of MMA are, starting to lean more on his wrestling, because for fuck's sake, he's a goddamn wrestler, and he's out there trying to outbox everybody. So get back to the basics of wrestling and fight some people of his own level of experience. Like, he he doesn't need to be fighting these guys with 25, 26 fights yet. Bellator needs to slow his roll a little bit and let him steamroll some people. Yeah, so, you know, this has been much debated for the past few days. I don't think we're going to break much new ground. Here's the only thing I'll say. That first loss of his was he tried to take down and got guillotined, if I'm yep. not mistaken, if yep. I'm remembering it correctly. Yep. Guillotine joke. That is, that is something easily correctable to every wrestler at their first day at jiu-jitsu practice, right? Mm -hmm. After about a year, they don't do that anymore. They know where to place their head now on the double leg. They don't get guillotined anymore. Yeah. Um, his wild style, easily correctable. I mean, Freddie Roach is commenting on it. You have people way smarter than you or I commenting on it. I'm sure his team is very smart. They know he can't go in with that reckless style. They know he can, you know, Ben Askren and Khabib his way to some wins. 
So I fully expect that. The only thing I will bring up here about Aaron Pico is he got knocked out cold. Mm -hmm. And he also boxed growing up as a kid. And that's just one thing, you know, when you think about the heights of where we were placing Aaron Pico on his ascension, that never happened to John Jones. Uh, you know, GSP got wobbled by Matt Sarah, but he didn't go out cold. I do just wonder if there might be a magic trigger button to Aaron Pico's chin. And yeah. I do worry about that for him. Yeah, that's certainly a, a case that we'll have to keep an eye on. You know, and I, I think when I said that, you know, I don't think his his ceiling is any lower than I ever expected it to be. I want to say I probably thought it was a little bit lower than most people. You know, I I didn't have him in John Jones GSP territory. I I had him as, you know, could be a title challenger in pretty much any promotion as he got older. Um, But you're right that, that, that one touch button is certainly worth keeping your eye on. Well, something else worth keeping your eye on is Jake Hager, a.k.a. Jack Swagger, the former WWE superstar and All-American wrestler from OSU, made his debut at Bellator in the heavyweight division, getting an arm triangle choke in two minutes against J.W. Kaiser, who, last I checked, is bagging (laughs) groceries right now. Uh, This was, as a professional wrestling fan, this was a complete farce. Uh, you know, Jake Hager came out, uh, was racked to the ring by another pro wrestler. He kept his gimmick, Gumby. He kept his pro wrestling gimmick, we, the people, and was put against an absolute tomato can, a 41-year-old insurance salesman. He beat him in two minutes. I, You know, I had some laughs about it on Twitter. I obviously take nothing away from Jake Hager's potential, and I take nothing away from Jake Hager the all-American wrestler from Oklahoma, but this was not a true test. Am I wrong or am I wrong? No, it's not a true, tr- true test, but I'm not necessarily sure he needed a true test in his first fight, right? Like, shouldn't a, a zero and zero fighter, regardless of his background, be fighting somebody similar to that? You know, like, sure, would I have rather seen him against a guy who was one and zero or two and zero? Absolutely. Or even another guy who's zero and zero, a forty-one-year-old zero and one fighter. Yeah, that that's probably a little bit more of a can than he needed, but there's no reason not to put him against the can either. You know, like he's he's not a young guy in his own right, right? Jake Hager, um, you know, he's not like the Aaron Pico who's just like barely getting into the sport at a young age. Um, and, and I think for that reason, why not put him against a, a slightly washed up, slightly older guy? That I, I don't see any problem with that. Well, he's 36, the same age as CM Punk, who's right now in a dark room crying because he was not matched up against the tomato can in his first fight. He was matched up against goddamn Mickey Gall, who has as many submissions as he does wins. Uh, you know, that that was a true tough test in his first fight, for mm-hmm. sure. So that does it for the news. Uh, hit us up uh, on our Twitter feed, at Top Turtle MMA, at Fastest Fight News. Let us know if you love our news. Let us know if you hate our news. We hope we served you well and caught you up on all today's news. Gumby, let's move to our other favorite segment on the show, the Combat Countdown. Are you ready for it? Let's do it. All right. Why don't you tell our adoring fans what our topic is today? So we're going to be counting down today in honor of Ryan Bader's big win over Fedor Emelianenko. We're going to be counting down the top five uh, fighters fighting outside of the UFC. 
Now, we, we wanted to make sure that there was some criteria for this. So, you know, obviously a lot of people are going to be looking for Demetrius Johnson. Some people might even be looking for Eddie Alvarez in this list. But we wanted to keep it to people who have actually fought outside of the UFC. So, sorry, Demetrius Johnson doesn't get to be number two just behind Artem Lobov because neither of them have fought outside of the UFC yet. So, these are only fighters who have either been in the UFC and left or never been in the UFC. Uh, and we're going to count down who we think are the top five in the world, pound right. for pound right now. All right. Well, let's start, uh, as always, and naturally in a top five countdown with number five, Vitaly Minikov. Yeah, I, I am probably the biggest Vitaly Minikov guy out there right now because I, I truly believe Vitaly Minikov has got some crazy potential. Look, if you look at the UFC rankings right now between – you know, like one in one in ten, you're gonna see the name Alexander Volkov. Alexander Volkov, an absolute killer who's put in some really good fights, would have beaten Derek Lewis and been damn close to a title shot if he didn't get tagged with an unlucky shot with 30 seconds to go. He got absolutely dismantled by Vitaly Minikov. Minikov's also beat people like Shek Congo. We're talking already by those two wins standard, him being a top five UFC heavyweight right now and possibly challenging for the title. I think he's got a load of potential. He's an absolute killer, and I like watching him both standing and on the ground. Absolutely. We'll move then to number four, the Gooch, Kyogi Hiraguchi. Yeah, Kyogi Hiraguchi uh, won a lot of respect in my eyes in fighting at Bantamweight against the Bellator Bantamweight champ, Darian Caldwell. You know, he, he's been fighting over there in Asia for Risen for a little while. He, he fought Ian McCall, beat him pretty nice, which is a good win. And he's winning against guys who you expect him to win against over there. Going up a weight class and fighting a guy as good as Caldwell, uh, it seemed like a risky move for Horiguchi. Seemed like a risky move for Horiguchi, but... Uh, not only did he take the risk, but he excelled in, in picking up a big stoppage win. So props to him, and, and really the sky is the limit for him. It's too bad he isn't in the UFC right now to challenge Seuda. Uh We'll move then to number three, and it's a familiar face to people in the UFC, but he's not in the UFC, any, UFC anymore, unfortunately. It's Rory McDonald. Yeah, I think Rory McDonald's talent is sort of unquestioned in how good he is. Uh He's absolutely one of the most talented guys uh, in the UFC. So, the or was one of the most talented guys in the UFC. Seeing him leave was probably one of their biggest losses. Now, with him outside of the UFC, he's definitely one of the most talented. He falls down the list for the loss to Gegard Mousasi, but I still think you can't take away um, from his talent. We'll move then to number two, fresh in our minds and always fresh in our hearts. It's Ryan Bader. Yeah, Ryan Bader may be the champ champ of Bellator, but if you really look at the list of people he's beat, I mean, he beat Phil Davis, he beat Fedor, he beat Meathead, but, like, Meathead beat Fedor. So, like, are we really counting Fedor's win as making him, uh, like, the best of the best out there? And, like, you know, Phil Davis, also a, a pretty damn good 205-er, but maybe not one that's going to make me get real hyped up about it. So, you know, I, I love Ryan Bader. I think the champ champ status is awesome for him. I think this move to Bellator was smart for him. Um, and I hope he gets, you know, he, he said he doesn't want like the number one, two or three challenger. He wants to fight Tito and Shale and Loyola Machida. I hope he gets those money fights. Cause you know what? That's what he left the UFC for so that he could go somewhere get his money fights. And 
you know, you can't knock the hustle. The, the dude is absolutely doing it for Bellator right now. Well, speaking of doing it for Bellator, we'll move then to number one. If number four was the Gooch, well, guess what? Number one is the Moose. It's Gegard Mousasi. Yeah, it's hard to pick against Gegard Mousasi when you look at the fact that not only is he the middleweight champion having beat both of the last two middleweight champions in Alexander Shlomenko and Rafael Cavallo, but also he went ahead and beat Rory McDonald. So when you look at those three put together, it's impossible to say that his resume outside of the UFC isn't deserving of being the number one outside of the UFC fighter. I wish Ryan Bader would see value in, in watching Musasi come up to 205 and challenge him there. That would be a super fun fight. I would watch the hell out of it. I might even have to go get a DAZN account in order to watch it. Um, but yeah, I, I think that Gegard Musasi unquestionably has to be the best outside of the UFC. DAZN? I always thought it was DAZN. All right, well, <laughs> let's review it. Number five was Vitaly Minikov. Number four was the Gooch. Number three, Rory McDonald. Number two, Ryan Darth Bader. And number one, Gegard Mousasi. Uh, if you loved our list, if you hated our list, hit us up on our Twitter at Top Turtle MMA. We're accepting both love and hate feedback. Gumby, let's move on because we got a UFC this weekend. Is this UFC breakdown brought to our fans by any fine company? Of course, this UFC Fortaleza preview is brought to you by Sisu Mouthguards. Look, Sisu Mouthguards are an absolutely innovative product. If you check out Sisu Mouthguards, S-I-S-U-Guard.com, you're going to find a mouthguard that allows you to talk, breathe, and drink all with the mouthguard up in your mouth. No other mouthguard allows you to do that, and they do it with these tiny perforations that give you all kinds of airflow to your teeth while also protecting those chompers. So you can get your teeth as protected as they are with any other mouthguard. In fact, more protected than they are with any other mouthguard. Plus, at the very same time, you're not going to have to take that mouth guard out of your mouth all the time, which I can tell you from experience is huge when you're doing jujitsu because you don't have to get it covered with all the sweat that's on your hands. Then you don't get your spit all over your hands and all of your. Tra- it's nasty. So you don't have to do that. Just go to see Sue guard.com s-i-s-u guard.com check out their max guard i i highly suggest that one for jiu-jitsu for high impact sports like jiu-jitsu and uh it, i think you're gonna love the way that it feels so let's talk about you to see for the laser this is a kind of a under the radar card but i think it's real fun so if you we're gonna start with the main event uh, I like in the main event, Marlon Marias over Rafael Asuncao. Marlon Marias is betting off at negative 170 to Rafael Asuncao's plus 150. Look, Marias has got a lot of knockout power here, and I think that that's why I like him so much here. Rafael Asuncao, super elusive. Uh, he's definitely more technical than people realize. If you watch either of his bouts with TJ Dillashaw, they're super fun. But at the same time, you look at what Marias is doing to people in this division, and I just can't pick against him. In the co-main event, I'm going with Jose Aldo over Hanato Moicano. Aldo, bending off as a slight underdog, plus 105 to Hanato Moicano's negative 125. Look, it's hard to bet against Aldo in a fight like this, where he's going to be facing a guy who's just going to strike with him. Look, he did a similar thing to Jeremy Stevens. Get, granted, Hanato Moicano, definitely a little bit more elusive and, and definitely a stronger striker than Jeremy Stevens. But those two went toe-to-toe in a very close decision. And Aldo just dismantled Jeremy Stevens. If you're playing a comparison game there, sure, there are some different parts to the technical aspects of the matchup. But I like Jose Aldo here. 
I'm also going with another underdog further down the card. I'm going with Lyman Good over Damian Maya. I know Lyman Good is an underdog. I know he's unranked. I know he's betting off at plus 155, but I love the value because he's a big, strong guy. It's going to be real hard for Demian Maya to drag him to the ground. And if he can't drag him to the ground, there is literally no way Demian Maya is taking down Lyman Good. And before we move on to the recap of all this, I also want to mention to you, we didn't break down the fight, but Johnny Walker is fighting in there. I'm a huge fan of Johnny Walker. He's going to be fighting Justin Ledette. It's definitely going to be a banger of a matchup. So make sure you tune in. On UFC on ESPN Plus to UFC Fortaleza. And our recap real quick. Marlon Marias over Hefaela Sunsau. Jose Aldo over Hanato Moicano. And Lyman Good over Demian Maya. Now, that's going to do it for this episode of Top Turtle MMA. We thank all of you fans for tuning in. We also want to thank our sponsors, Sisu Mouthguards, ADK Fightwear, and Sheath Underwear. We also want to thank Flow Combat for having us on each and every week. We could not do it without them. And we want to remind you guys to check us out on Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA. That's at Top Turtle MMA. We got trivia, all kinds of polls, fun things going on there, fan interaction, and we may even have a contest for UFC Fortaleza, so make sure that you check that out. I was Daniel Gumby Vreeland. He is Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we will see you next week.